great to be back for another edition of ZavChat, our second of 2024. We're joined again by Xavier Principal, Mr. William Doherty, and our school captain for 2024, Jared Crow, and two very special guests today. Jared, I think maybe we introduce two guests, one from Genazano and one from Xavier College. That's right. So we've got uh, with us here today, Max McIsaac. Hello. And Liv- Olivia Nagara. Hello. Uh, and they are, I think, the drama prefects from Genazano and the prefect for the arts and drama at Xavier. So thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And Bill, I think it'd be fair to say, a week out, they look pretty confident to me. They are. I think they're, uh, well, it's nice when you see great skill, particularly in the arts, and um, we, we can't wait to, uh, to see uh, The Little Mermaid. But rather than me sort of announce it, why don't you just tell us, for the listeners out there, maybe tell us a little bit about The Little Mermaid. Just give us a, a bit of a taste of the plot. So The Little Mermaid, the musical, is obviously based on the animated film from the 90s and it's about The Little Mermaid and it's um, following a journey, obviously starting at the sea and then heading to land because she likes a prince. (laughs) And we did hear, Jared, uh, at the Rector's Assembly a couple of pieces from the show. It, It did really get you pretty excited to go along and see it. That's right. Some great viral marketing there. So we thank you very much for that. And uh, I'm hooked now. So I'll have to be going there next Wednesday. Uh, Can you give us a bit of a rundown of what happened at Assembly? Yep. So at Xavier, we had the If Only quartet turned duet with Jack, who plays Ariel, and Max, who plays Prince Eric. And that's a really moving piece in the show itself. And I hope people really enjoyed it. And we also had the boys perform uh, Fathoms Below, which is the opening number for the musical. And it's a nice little sea shanty to get you excited for the musical. Um, And yeah, so we hope people really enjoyed those two pieces. Oh, Everyone was absolutely up and about. Max, have you actually been in one of these productions before? Is this your first shot? Because you don't give me that impression. Uh, No, I uh, started uh, with Fame in uh, 2022 yeah, and then Legally Blonde in 2023 and I had a lead role in Legally Blonde playing Emmett Forrest. Olivia, just maybe if there's younger listeners out there, there's a lot of diversity I find in a, in a musical. You know, there's everything from acting to these big chorus lines, etc. You know, firstly, two questions. Firstly, what do you love the most? What, what gives you life on the stage? Um, well, I'm strongest as an actor. I find myself to be most at home when I'm acting, so... Um, you know, I find it really, I don't know, enlivening to be able to embody someone else and find comfort in knowing where I personally can fit in as, like, a person in a stage production. Um, but, yeah, I find it really great that, especially the musicals here at Jen and Xavier, there are so many roles that different people with different abilities can be, you know, portraying. So, obviously, I'm not the strongest singer. Well, not obviously yet, but... You'll see. Um, But, you know, I am still able to participate in some really cool roles and have some really great opportunities. And there's people who are only great at dancing who can also do the same thing. So it's, yeah, I just find that, you know, the theatre programs at Jen and Xavier are really good at incorporating everyone regardless of skill level in certain things. And maybe a great segue into my second question. If there's a younger listener out here thinking gee, could, could I give this a go? I'm not quite sure. I, you know, I'm not all singing, all dancing, all, um, you know, a, a guru of everything, but I, I, could, could I do this? You know, what, what would maybe your thoughts, what got you into it to start with? And feel free to both answer, but I think it's a great one because it offers so much, 
but it's a big leap of faith and courage is what I could see. Well, I started with um, the Burke Hall musicals and uh, I think it's the environment, especially at Xavier, is just such a, a welcoming place and you feel so comfortable, uh, especially doing something so like nerve-wracking being on stage. And I think just giving it a really good shot and being like like welcome to just trying. Yeah, so I didn't. I was quite late to the theatre game. I started only two years ago with The Lady Killers, which is the winter play in 2022, I think. Um, but it's just the pretty much what Max said. It's just the welcoming atmosphere of the theatre culture um, at Gen, at Xavier. It's a great way to make friends. Um, and I found that I've become a lot more confident in myself and my abilities because, you know, obviously our, um, you know, our age group has come up in quite a difficult time with COVID and everything like that so I found that I was really able to regain a lot of confidence in a time where I probably didn't have as much as I should have so. Our special guests on this second Zav chat of 2024 are Liv and uh, Max from Jen and Xavier. The Little Mermaid looks like it'll be a wonderful show. Gerard, over to you. Oh it looks fantastic. Just following on from those themes of diversity of roles that people can play in these productions and diversity of abilities. How do Xavier and Genizano productions, how do they allow our students to thrive in um, developing their theatric abilities, you know, with obviously everyone having varying abilities? Um, Well, I think one thing that's really important is that we have a lot of great opportunities, not only like materially, but in terms of the knowledge, the wealth of knowledge that our teachers and, you know, the directors and producers have, which, you know, is crucial when it comes to developing and moulding young actors and performers. We're very lucky to have these opportunities that we have. They're not accessible to everyone and I think it's important that we acknowledge that and just the fact that you know we have such knowledgeable and such experienced teachers. I know that I for one definitely appreciate wholeheartedly the amount of support and the amount of knowledge that has been imparted onto me by my teachers and by directors and producers I've interacted with over my tenure as a thespian at Jen and Xavier. (laughs) Beautifully answered, uh, Liv. Hey, would you and Max stay for the remainder of ZavChat? We might come back and chat again at the end. We're introducing a new segment today, so you're here for the first time with uh, the Xavier principal, Mr William Doherty, and uh, he's pretty excited about this new segment. So, Bill, can I hand over to you? You certainly can, Hills, and... uh it's pretty special when you get to be able to welcome in as our extra guest on the show, Michelle Obama. Now, I'd love to, of course, be having an interaction uh, at a conversation with oh, Michelle. So that's not her at the door. That's okay. not her at the door. Okay. But uh, one of the segments that we really wanted to to, uh, to do was have something from the quiet corner, something from reading, from journals, from articles. And uh, I've just picked up Michelle Obama's book, um, The Light We Carry. If I was sort of having a, a bit of a browse on it on the uh, in the on the bookshelf in the uh, in the store and picked up the blurb is a great way of just trying to figure out what might be uh, unpacked in this book, and this is what it had to say. I've learned it's okay to recognise that self worth comes wrapped in vulnerability, and that what we share as humans on this earth is the impulse to strive for better, always and no matter what. We become bolder in brightness. If you know your light, you know yourself. 
Well, I've sort of thought, well, I've just got to, <laughs> I've just got to get this book and keep reading. So I, I, that was pretty inspiring. So yeah, there's a bit one, of wow there, isn't there? That's oh, it is fantastic. But uh, this segment is really just to try and give insights and allow the author to speak to us as well as me just putting words in their mouth. And and yes, Michelle needs no speaking for her. So I'm just going to read this opening segment from the book. It's it's pretty special. So her opening line: At some point when I was a child, my father started using a cane to keep himself balanced when he walked. The cane was an early concession to multiple sclerosis, the disease that had given my father a severe left leg limp. Slowly and silently, and probably long before he received a formal diagnosis, MS was undermining his body. As we saw it in my family, that cane symbolised nothing. It was just a tool. The same way my mother's spatula was a tool in the kitchen, or my grandfather's hammer got used any time he came over to fix a broken shelf or curtain rod. It was utilitarian, protective, something to lean on when needed. Every so often, too, that cane would fail our father. He would misjudge a step, or his foot would catch a lump in the rug, and suddenly he'd stumble and fall. And in that single freeze-frame instant, with his body in mid-air, We would catch sight of everything we were hoping not to see. His vulnerability, our helplessness, the uncertainty and harder times ahead. Usually my father would just laugh the whole thing off, downplaying the fall, signalling that it was okay to smile or crack a joke. There seemed to be an unspoken pact between us. We needed to let those moments go. In our home, laughter was yet another well-worked tool. If MS caused my father pain, he didn't talk about it. In the indignities of his disability didn't dim his spirit. He rarely showed it. I don't know if he ever took falls when we weren't around at the water filtration plant or walking out of the barber shop, though it stands to reason he did, at least occasionally. Nonetheless, years passed. My dad went to work, came home, kept smiling. Maybe this was a form of denial. Maybe it was simply the code he chose to live by. You fall, you get up, you carry on. I realise now that my father's disability gave me an early and important lesson about what it feels like to be different, to move through this world marked by something you can't much control. Even if we weren't dwelling on it, that differentness was all around there. My family carried it. We worried about things that other families didn't seem to worry about. We were watchful in ways it seemed others didn't need to be. Going out, We quietly sized up the obstacles, calculating the energy it would take for my father to cross a parking lot or navigate his way through the bleachers at Craig's basketball games. We measured difference and elevation differently. We viewed sets of stairs, icy sidewalks and high curbs differently. We assessed parks and museums for how many benches they had, places where a tired body could rest. Everywhere we went, we weighed the risks and looked for small efficiencies for my dad. We counted every step. And when one tool stopped working for him, its utility dwarfed by the strength of the disease, we'd go out and find another, the cane replaced by a pair of forearm crutches, the crutches replaced eventually by a motorised cart and a specially equipped van that was packed with levers and hydraulics to help make up for what his body could no longer do. Did my father love any of these things or think they solved all of his problems? Not at all. But he did need them, yes, absolutely. But that's what tools are for. They help us keep upright and balanced better able to coexist with uncertainty. They help us deal with flux, to manage when life feels out of control. And they help us continue onwards, even while in discomfort, even as we live with our strands exposed. I've been thinking a lot about these things, about what we carry, 
what keeps us upright in the face of uncertainty, and how we locate and lean on our tools, especially during times of chaos. I've been thinking too about what it means to be different. I'm struck by how so many of us wrestle with feeling different and how central our perceptions of differentness continue to be in our broader conversations about what sort of world we want to live in, who we trust, who we elevate, and who we leave behind. These are complicated questions, of course, with complicated answers, and being different can be defined in many ways. But it's worth saying on behalf of those who feel it, there's nothing easy about finding your way through a world loaded with obstacles that others can't or don't see. When you are different, you can feel as if you're operating with a different map, a different set of navigational challenges than those around you. Sometimes you feel like you have no map at all. Your differentness will often precede you into a room. People see it before they see you. And overcoming is almost by definition draining. As a result, as a matter of survival really, you learn, as my family did, to be watchful. You figure out how to guard your energy to count every step. And at the heart of this lies a head-spinning paradox. Being different conditions you towards cautiousness, even if it demands that you be bold. So that's just a little bit of a, a clip for now. So my questions really that come out of this one is, what are your tools? What are those things that you might lean on to help you to navigate your way through life? How do we recognise difference? How are we the men and women for and with others who accompany and support those who are different? And what is your light? How do we carry it? I can see why you were taken with that. That was fantastic to actually listen to. And if the book is even half that good, I think there'll be a lot sold. So tell us again, author and title. So Michelle Obama, The Light We Carry. It's her second book after Becoming, as best I understand it. Uh, I think she's an outstanding role model uh, across our planet, uh, for women I know especially, but for all people. And they are strong messages. And I can't wait to read the rest of it. I can't wait to hear Around the Grounds. First instalment for 2024 with our college captain, uh, Jared Crowers. I lead you in, Jared. I've got a little one from the parents' side of the college. There was a fantastic night on the Chapel Oval on Saturday night, over a thousand people and just wonderful, beautiful weather, well organised by Davina and Anne and the parent group. So I want to give everyone uh, a huge pat on the back and many of the people listening today to Zavchat will have been there. Hope you loved it as much as I do. Round the grounds, college captain. Thank you, Mr. Healy. Uh, and it's a big seven days for us as a college. So today we had our first rector's assembly of the year, uh, which was a great success. You spoke beautifully, by the way. Well done. Oh, thank you. And coming up now is the big careers night that we're hosting with Loretto College, uh, which will be held in the Costco building. And it's just fantastic that we've got a whole bunch of old Zaverians talking about careers and future pathways for young men in Jesuit education and young women from Mandeville and also the commencement of the world's greatest shave campaign has begun just recently and that'll be a big push yeah. for all of us here as a community driving to do even better than how we did last year. And that'll be a good challenge. It certainly will but we're up for it I hope and uh, on Friday we've got our home cricket match against St Kevin's kicking off the APS Catholic rivalry for this year so definitely not one to be missed. And, and the first team that you're in I think are coming off two really good wins. 
That's right. So we had another great win against the only undefeated side until Saturday on the weekend, which was great fun. Winning down at Halebury is magnificent at any time, Jarrett. That's right. Yeah, long way from home, but well done. That's right. And um, on Friday, we've also got our we've got our second voluntary mass of the year, following a fantastic first turnout. It must be said. So very exciting that as well to uh, really allow boys to be vulnerable and to build a sense of community even more than there already is. We've also got our Emmaus days going on uh, for the Year 9 students, which will be partially run by some of our Year 12 senior students who show leadership qualities. And next week, of course, we have our productions, which will be shown on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday nights. So if you haven't got your tickets already, uh, now's your chance. They're going quickly. It's not one to be missed. And finally, just recently, we had a Year 12 student from last year, Simon DeCosta, uh, who won the best speaker at the British Parliamentary Debating, an incredible achievement because there were yeah, many, many applicants in the competition. And also a current Year 10 student, Jonathan Nichols McCormack, who won the best Year 9 debater last year in the DAV, I think, for the Torak division. So fantastic. And really capped off a great season. But, uh, but really, on behalf of the crew here, Max and Liv, uh, wish you all the best. Wonderful today to hear you. And we can't wait for next week. And there'll be a great buzz, I know, behind the stage, but especially uh, when you take to the stage. And um, best wishes. Thank you Max. so much. You're going to go out and buy that book? Sounded fantastic. Of course I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings Zav Chat to a close. Jared, thank you. Bill, thank you. And yes, Liv and Max, fantastic. And good luck. Break a leg, they say, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, So (laughs) we'll uh, see you seven days hence for another edition of Zav Chat. And by the way, as I finish, James and Ollie, our producers, and Michael, I don't want to keep forgetting you. So well done. Great job today.